long before Boral Cain transformed himself into an onyx dragon and descended upon Welkin, well before Oliver Merlness was widely known as the Provost, long before Ursula had designs on challenging Elyon, and well before King Peros met with a fiery end, there was a Myrmidon whose name was Thad Bannon. We begin here. Where is Achilles? Where is my cousin? We've got to fall back. Achilles is dead, Petroclus. Impossible. My cousin is invincible. Apparently not. But, Myrmidons, do not run. Running? No. Tactically retreating? I think yes. The Myrmidons retreated to their ship that was docked on the shores near Troy. As soon as they had boarded, they began sailing back towards Greece. Once they were far enough away from danger, they assessed the situation. What happened? Calm down, Patroclus. Throwing things won't help matters. Calm down? Are you serious right now? Sierra, my cousin is dead. Our leader, dead. I need to know what happened. No. You need to calm down. Patroclus turned when he heard the voice of his primary rival, Thad Bannon. Thad had never liked Patroclus, and the disgust was mutual. But with the Myrmidon leader now dead, there would undoubtedly be a struggle for power. No one expected that to start before they'd even reached Greece, but here they were. What did you say to me, Thad? I think you heard me, Patroclus. Calm down. We're all upset about your cousin, but screaming at each other isn't helping any of us right now. Speaking of my cousin, where were you, hmm? You're his first lieutenant. You're supposed to have his back. Where were you when he died? I was killing Trojans as he had commanded me to. I warned him not to go into the palace alone, but Achilles does whatever Achilles wants to do. Or at least he did. Do we know how he died? An arrow through his heel. I believe Hector's brother shot him. Paris? The sycophant who caused this entire problem in the first place? I have half a mind to go back to Troy and kill him myself. That is certainly your prerogative. But if you do, you'll do so as a swimmer. Our ship is going home to Greece. We'll bury our comrade and discuss next steps for the Myrmidons, once we arrive on friendlier shores. With that, Thad walked away. Patroclus stared at him with fire in his eyes. Later that evening, when he assumed that most of the ship was asleep, Patroclus went to sit with the body of his cousin, which had been prepared with perfumes and ointments and had been wrapped in linen cloth. He looked around to make certain that the area was clear. Once he had surmised that it was, he began cutting away the linen cloth, not at all surprised to find his cousin's armor still on his body. It was long believed by warriors that they needed three things when they passed on to Elysium. A sword on their hip, armor on their back, and coins for the ferryman. 
Once the linen cloth had been entirely removed, Patroclus began removing his cousin's armor piece by piece. As soon as he had stripped him completely, he began removing his own armor and putting on the armor of Achilles. What do you think you're doing? You need to remove that armor before I peel it off of your dead corpse. Oh, do you mean the same way I peeled it off his dead corpse just now? Your cousin isn't dead a fortnight. And you already mock him? And why can I mock him, Thad? Why can I peel his armor off of his body and suffer no repercussions? Because you let him die! What is going on in here? Patroclus, what are you doing? Ladies, I am doing what my cousin wanted me to do. I am taking his place as the leader of the Myrmidons, effective immediately. Aliensbeard, have you completely lost your mind, Patroclus? You don't just decide to become the Myrmidon leader. We vote on such things, or have you forgotten that fact? Vote all you like. Who else is more entitled to take over for Achilles than me? I'm his blood. He was my cousin. I trained with him. We all trained with him. And unlike you, we all fought with him. I fought with him, too. Patroclus, if I had a denarius for every time Achilles told you to stay on the boat. Well, you don't need to worry about that now. I am taking my cousin's armor, and I'm taking my cousin's name. Going forward, I will be known as Achilles. Over my dead body, you will. That can be arranged. Everybody stand down. I've heard enough. Patroclus, I'm going to chalk your delusional behavior up to grief. Now, please. Take off Achilles' armor, rewrap his body, and go back to your quarters. When the first light of morning ignites the waters, we can discuss roles going forward. I suggest we table the matter for now. And I suggest you arm yourself, Thad Bannon, or die by the hand of the new leader of the Myrmidons. <laughs> <laughs> Patroclus, stop this foolishness before you force me to hurt you. I'm blind. I can't see. Somebody help me. I can't see anything. I'm not saying he didn't deserve that, but geez, Thad, you could have just disarmed him. A man cannot strike what a man cannot see. This was his cousin. No, this was a man who had lost whatever was left of his common sense. And his relation to Achilles is the only reason I haven't ended his life. Ending it would be a mercy to both him as well as my ears. Shut up already, Patroclus. We get it, you're blind. Shut up. What are we going to do with him? Uh, There's a man that I know of who resides in Upper Centurion called 1,000 Years. Is he that old? He may be older, actually. At any rate, the man is a healer, or so I'm told. Once Patroclus has calmed down, I'll visit 1,000 Years and request healing for him. What do we do with him in the meanwhile? Bandage his eyes and keep this quiet. The men loved Achilles. This might not go over well with the other Myrmidons. Most importantly, strip Achilles' armor off of him and put it back on Achilles. 
<laughs> Poor guy is running around Elysium without his clothes. Kumara and Sierra did as Thad asked. However, they each knew that things had changed drastically. The tensions between Achilles' first lieutenant and his first cousin were nothing new, but they had never actually fought one another before. Healing or not, Patroclus had been completely embarrassed by Thad. There would be retaliation at some point. <laughs> A few days later, Thad saddled his horse and prepared to make way to Upper Centurion. Are you sure about this? What do you mean? I mean that Patroclus attacked you with malicious intent. Why not let him rot? Blindness is a mercy as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and that, my friend, is why you cannot lead us. What do you mean? He attacked you as his enemy, and now you're running off to seek healing for him? What kind of sense does any of that make? The kind that Elion would be proud of. Any man could do good for his friends, right? But what does it say about a man who would show love to his enemy? It says he's an idiot. <laughs> be safe, and Godspeed, my friend. Thad Bannon rode for several days, stopping only to give his horse rest before continuing towards his goal. At long last, he reached the town of the Twin Swords in Upper Centurion to seek out the one he'd heard the rumors about, the one known as One Thousand Years. Thad stabled his horse and made way towards a large Siena temple in the center of a lush green garden. Tending the garden were several men and women dressed in simple black hooded robes. Thad looked very out of place in his gold brown and crimson Myrmidon armor. His muscular build, dirty blonde afro, accented by a red-tasseled headband and rich caramel skin tones, didn't exactly help him blend in any easier. It wasn't long before a cadre of monks made their way towards him. Thad Bannon. How? How do you know who I am? One thousand years will see you. Now, assuming you brought tribute. Um, sure. You've traveled from Greece, seeking healing for a man you blinded. Yes, one thousand years will heal him, but only if you have tribute. Do you have the tribute or not? Than was admittedly caught off guard by the fact that this man... Whomever he was, knew all of his information. He had no idea what tribute was, but he figured he'd better just go with it. He nodded. Good. He's waiting for you in the room of endless prayer. Thad made way into the large temple. When he entered, he saw an old, balding, gray-haired monk who wore black robes. The man was kneeling, with his head bowed in deep meditation. Thad Bannon, did you bring tribute? I do not see your tribute. Are you suggesting that your tribute is yourself? Okay, look, I honestly have no idea what you even mean by tribute. Surely you are smart enough to discern what it means with the proper context, yes? Your enemy requires healing for his blindness, and you have come seeking assistance from the agents of Thorn. Our assistance is not for free. Every act requires tribute. I see. Well, I didn't actually bring anything. You brought yourself, did you not? 
<sighs> I suppose I did. You are a talented warrior. I was quite impressed with your skill in battle during your time on the shores of Troy. How could you possibly know that? What is it you want? I perform some task for you and you heal Patroclus? Skin for skin, is that it? There is a village about three miles north of our present location. Travel there by foot. Your horse will be fine here in our stables. When you get there, ask about the beast of Amlin Ro. When the beast is revealed to you, gouge out its eyes. Once the beast is blind, your enemy, Patroclus, will receive his sight. When your work is complete, you may return here to collect your steeds. Do you have any questions? No, I think I know what I need to do. With that, Thad turned and made his way north. After about thirty minutes, he found himself in a village, just as one thousand years had told him he would. He looked around but did not actually speak to anyone. He had rehearsed in his mind asking someone about the Beast of Amlin Row, but the more he said it, the more ridiculous it sounded to himself. After walking around a bit more, he noticed several people congregating in what appeared to be a tavern. He made way into the establishment and made eye contact with the barkeep. What can I get you, Blondie? What are you serving? Menus in the war, honey. What's in the Beast of Amelin Row? What did you say? The Beast of Amelin Row, the seventh drink on the list. I'll have one of those. Come with me. Who sent you? One thousand years. I thank the gods. I knew that tribute would be worth it. So you just don't know how hard this curse has been on me and my son. How long will it take you to heal him? Ma'am, I'm not sure what you mean. Uh, One thousand years told me... Are you not dressed like a healer, sir? But far be it from me to look at a gift horse in the mouth, you know. My son is in our house, which is just up the block. The woman pulled Thad Bannon by the hand towards her home until they reached the front entrance. She looked Thad up and down before unlocking the door. How fast do you run? Why? Well, in case he turns, of course. I don't want him killing you the way he did the last three healers thousand years sent. I had to pay extra for you, and I fully expect him to honor the details of our arrangement, and I assume that extends to you. I'm not sure I follow, ma'am. Please, call me Lucy. Any man who's going to finally heal my son from turning into that monstrosity can call me by my first name. It's been so hard for us. He's killed so many innocent people. I know, but... It's not his fault. My baby was cursed by one of those awful mages. I'm certain of it. He can't control himself. When this is over, I expect your silence. Understood? I certainly paid enough for it. That's my son's room. In there. Go on in. The last three monks tried healing him by touching his forehead. Since they all got eaten by him, I would highly recommend a different tactic. Thad walked carefully into the room and... Almost fell to his knees when he saw a boy, no more than eight years old, resting in his bed. The horror could not be easily hidden in his face. He had, because of this woman's advanced age, assumed her son was an adult. Somehow, 
Doing this to an adult seemed okay to him, morally speaking, but not an eight-year-old boy. He looked back at Lucy, who smiled and urged him on with a few nods. He then looked down at the young, seemingly innocent boy as he slept. He then turned and started walking out of the house. Lucy grabbed him by the arm. What are you doing? You have to heal my son. I paid my tribute. He is a boy. I I can't gouge out the eyes of a boy. What do you mean? Gouge out his eyes? I said don't touch his head, any part of it, especially his eyes. That is what 1,000 years sent me here to do. And I'm sorry, ma'am, I can't do it. I mean, suppose he's wrong. That boy will be blind for the rest of his life. I can't have that on my conscience. I'm leaving. You're not going anywhere until I feast on your soul. (laughs) Thad watched as Lucy's son began transforming into a beast the size of six men. When he completed his transformation, he had scaly blue skin, bulging muscles, and razor-sharp horns protruding from his back and shoulders. His face was like a lizard, but his eyelids were like bat wings. His teeth were the size of a man's arm, sharp and poised to do damage. Honey, Mama brought you something to eat. Kill him as you did the others, I might consume his soul. Ilian's beard, you're a demon. You did this to him, didn't you? servant has been pleasing to you. I beg you now, grant me the power to gently deal with the boy and deal harshly with the demon who did this to him. Demon called Lucy teleported from view. 
her direction, fury in his gaze. He looked at his hands, which were covered in blood. He wiped them off on his chest. As he did so, the blood stains dried in the shape of a letter T, which in the moment meant nothing to Thad, but little did he know that it would mean everything to others in the years that followed. Thad looked down at the beast and watched as it transformed back into the small boy he had originally seen. He was relieved when he checked for a pulse and found that the boy had just fallen unconscious. He scooped him into his arms and began making way towards the temple in Upper Centurion. While this was going on, Kumara was back in Greece tending to Patroclus when... Suddenly she heard something stirring outside of the Myrmidons' hidden campgrounds. She gathered a blade of ill omen and went quickly to where she heard the noise. When she arrived to the origin of the sound, she found a tall man wearing a rainbow-colored robe, holding an infant child in his arms. Who are you? State your business, mage. My name is Oliver Mernes. But I would prefer that you refer to me as the Provost. I have need of you, Kamara of House Speed. How do you know my name? What trickery is this? Put down your weapon, my dear. If I wanted to kill you, I would have already done so. As I said, I have need of your services. Your maternal services. I am listening. This child is my daughter Lysa's son. He was born a few days ago, but he was dead from the womb. Stillborn, I'm afraid. He looks okay to me. I am a powerful mage, my dear. Death is but a minor inconvenience to one such as I. I need you to raise the boy as your own. You just said he was your daughter's son. Why not take him to his mother? I have my reasons. Reasons I am sure your daughter will be all too eager to hear when you tell her. I don't want any part of your games, mage. I know, I know, little one, I know. Shh. Kumara is here for you. He needs to be changed. I'm sure you can handle that, yes? Without asking, the provost placed the baby boy into Kumara's hands. She dropped her sword without so much as a thought, unaware of the mental manipulation the provost was using to get her to do his bidding. He looked her in her eyes to lock in his will. His name is Seth. You will raise him as your own. Train him to be twice the warrior Achilles was. When he is of age, I will return for him, and you will give him to me without question. Is that understood? Kamara, her eyes glazed over from the spell, simply nodded. There will be times you wonder why you are doing this for me. The answer is because you owe me a debt. You won't know what that debt is, and frankly, it does not matter. What matters is that this boy is your child, and you must train his hands for war and protect him at all costs. Do you understand? Yes. Excellent. Little one, I will return for you before you know it. Then, when I do, we will make Welkin our plaything. 
van, the provost vanished. Kamara went back into the Myrmidon camp with the child, just as Thad Bannon was returning from his trip. Things were never the same for the Myrmidons after this. Patroclus held on to bitterness over the events from the return trip from Troy, despite his restored vision. Thad Bannon left the Myrmidons a few months later due in large part to Patroclus, but also because he could never quite forgive himself for what he had done to the boy he had been tricked into blinding. He went into deep seclusion and has not been seen since. Kumara took a third of the Myrmidons, those faithful to Achilles, and formed their own group. Patroclus took his cousin's armor and took on the name Achilles, leading the Myrmidons who remained faithful to him. Over time, word about the beast of Amlin Roe began spreading across the realm. Did you hear about the man who killed the beast of Amlin Roe? He had a blood-stained tea on his chest, they said. Years later, the bards got a hold of it, and the phrase, the man who killed the beast of Amlin Roe, was too difficult to put to song. So they shortened the song title to The Tale of Thamlin Roe. And just a few years after that, Kamara of House Spade heard someone say the words, Have you heard the legend of Thad Bannon, the Thamro, and a clan was born? Thank you.